Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Sophia Edelstein, co-founder of Pair Eyewear, affordable and customizable glasses made for both children and adults. Studying human biology at Stanford University, Sophia met her now co-founder, Nathan. Shortly after graduation, Sophia and Nathan revolutionized the glasses industry by creating Pair Eyewear. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Sophia Edelstein of Pair Eyewear. Sophia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? I grew up in New York City. Um, I was, I've was i been living here my entire life pretty much besides uh, when I went to college in California. Um, I was originally born. My parents lived in a loft in Chinatown. Uh, my father is an artist and my mother um, is a sociologist who works for NYU. So definitely had a really fun upbringing. Um, you know, the home was also my father's studio at times. It was a very creative atmosphere. Um, he's an artist and a painter and mm. my mom is actually Colombian. Um, so definitely a very multicultural household. I grew up speaking both Spanish and English. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was really fun. I mean, growing up in New York City, you have a lot of exposure to different things at a young age. And I think when I was in high school, that's when I first got it started uh, getting interested in entrepreneurship, especially as it pertained to healthcare. Awesome. So growing up prior to high school then, did you have an entrepreneurship mindset, say, sell any products or lemonade stands or just get creative in that way? I did, yeah. Um, I used <laughs> to love creating lemonade stands with my friends. And I remember I would fake demand. I would have like some <laughs> of our friends like pretend to be customers. So like have them like walk around the block and come back and, you know, pretend like they were buying lemonade because I thought that if, you know, other people walking by saw them doing so, we'd almost like fake the demand like this was a popular <laughs> lemonade stand. Um, and I remember I also had a chocolate bar business in middle school where I would sell chocolate bars to my classmates. I would take orders during classes and then within breaks, I would deliver chocolate bars to your lockers. So that we all kept our lockers open wow. so that, you know, after class you'd go and you would find this little baggie of chocolate bars, which was <laughs> kind of funny now thinking back. That's amazing. So I saw you went on to study at Stanford University in 2003. What did you study there? At Stanford, I was studying human biology with a focus in healthcare economics and global health. Um, so I was really interested in healthcare systems, how they work, medical devices, how medical devices help, you know, doctors solve issues and problems and overall just, you know, global issues uh, facing, you know, the global healthcare system. I was originally pre-med uh, for, I guess, almost up through junior year. Um, I was actually admitted to medical school early when I was a sophomore. 
Mm. But, you know, ultimately, I obviously decided to pursue a different path. Yeah. So with your time at Stanford, were you involved with any clubs or athletics? No athletics, um, mm. but amazing to be surrounded by Olympians. Uh, in terms of clubs, I was, yeah. So actually, the idea for Pair um, almost stemmed from a club called Design for America. It was a design thinking uh, product design club that recruited students from different areas of campus and put into groups. So you might be put into a group with, you know, an engineering student, um, you know, maybe someone in the humanities, someone in healthcare, all super passionate about solving an issue. Mm -hmm. So that's where I really started learning about design thinking, uh, designing for needs, need finding which ultimately led my co-founder and I to come up with the idea for Pair Eyewear during our senior year at Stanford. Awesome. And then following college and prior to Pair then actually initiating the complete business, what kind of jobs were you working at this time? So we actually started Pair straight out of college. So really? it was my first full-time job. We started it our senior year. We actually incorporated our senior year. I got pretty lucky that I was able to graduate a quarter early. So I was pretty much on campus doing pair 24 seven, my last quarter at Stanford, um, wow. which was super fun and raised our first angel money while we were still students. Um, however, I did have, you know, a series of internships prior to that. So I guess yeah. that's kind of realistic, uh, kind of other work opportunities. Um, let me think back. I interned at Goldman Sachs doing investment banking, um, doing private sector and infrastructure investment banking in New York City for a summer. That was my junior summer. Um, really interesting, looking at hospital systems. Uh, prior to that, I'd interned for a super interesting uh, nonprofit called Teach AIDS that creates software to help educate people all around the world about HIV mm. um, and other healthcare issues now. Um, I'd also done a series of internships. I was always doing research while at Stanford. Um, my senior year, I wrote a thesis in the economics department. Prior to that, I was doing research at a chemical engineering um, lab. So definitely a diversity of experiences while yeah. on campus. I think with the, I think the thing that drew it together was I always just loved solving problems and through different lenses. So whether it was you know doing research or working in an investment bank, um, I really enjoyed the diversity of kind of tools that you would learn in these different positions. I hope you guys are enjoying the episode so far around Sophia's journey to pair eyewear. I wanted to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Karistan. Karistan rugs and carpets are crafted to be timeless pieces that fit perfectly within your home. Focusing on sustainability, Karistan has two exclusive high-performance fibers, Everstrand, in which creates fibers out of recycled plastic bottles, and Smartstrand, in which assures durability and forever stain-free carpets. With inspired designs, flawless craftsmanship, and long-lasting materials, Karistan is made for a life to live beautifully. Make sure to check out Karistan at karistan.com. That's karistan at karistan.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. So getting into pair eyewear, where does Nathan, your co-founder, what is his background and where does he kind of come from in Stanford point of view? And also what is the overall inspiration towards moving towards pair? So Nathan and I, we met our freshman year. Okay. We were actually in rival freshman dorms. So I was <laughs> in a dorm called... Uh, Twain and he was in a dorm called Larkin that were right across the courtyard from each other. And it was, you know, the dorms would frequently prank each other. Mm. Um, we became best friends and, you know, throughout our time at Stanford. Um, but we were studying very different things. He had a mechanical engineering background and was okay. studying mechanical engineering. And I had this healthcare background. So during our senior year, 
Nathan was telling me about his little brother, who at the time had to get glasses. And that led into a larger discussion, um, since Nathan has also been wearing glasses since he was seven years old, on how that glasses buying experience from you know the time when Nathan had to wear them to today when his brother was wearing them hadn't changed at all. And you know, taking that one step further, we started investigating, you know, what is that glasses buying experience like for, for adults? And you know, we got super obsessed with this problem. Um, we devoted our senior year to really trying to understand the problem at more depth. Mm -hmm. So we interviewed over 500 families our senior year talking to adults and kids alike about their glasses experience. And what we found was that unlike other products and accessories you wear, like your clothes or your shoes, your glasses just remain static. And what that creates is this very static medical device that doesn't feel like an extension of your personality by any means or something that you can control or change on a daily basis. Yeah. So we set out kind of with that thesis to create the first modern eyewear brand that's focused on personalization. How can we create a product that allows a person to change the color or design of it on a daily basis so that it actually becomes you know, a symbol of your personality? Um, meanwhile, we wanted to create a product that was affordable since, you know, in the 500 interviews we conducted, people were saying that they typically would spend upwards of $300 for their prescription glasses, um, which is, you know, absolutely crazy, especially when you're talking about children whose prescription changes every six months to a year. For sure. Um, so we actually were able to recruit the former head of product from Warby Parker while we were still students at Stanford who originally began with us kind of on a consulting basis, helping us redesign what a pair of glasses could be um, to help us ultimately create the pair product we have today, which we call continually customizable glasses. And he's actually now our full-time head of product. Wow, that's amazing. So from launch, what initial products did you first offer? Yeah, so I, product development took a long time for us. So it was yeah. really you know, a year and a half to two years post-graduation. Um, really working heavily on product development, making sure we had the highest quality product at the most affordable price point so we could really own, um, you know, the entire vertical of what we were creating, get it to people in under a week. So the mechanics behind it def certainly took a while. Um, and then there was a lot of user testing. We wanted to make sure that the product offerings, the colors, you know, really fit the first demographic that we went after, which was the children's sector. Okay. So we started in our beachhead market of kids um, really for three main reasons. The first was that the kids sector, you know, still is today the most rapidly growing sector of the eyewear industry. Kids are needing glasses at a completely unprecedented rate, um, really due to the amount of time they're spending looking at digital screens, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy because, I mean, now that we're on quarantine, we're all looking at screens 24-7. <laughs> um, sure. And kids are as well on, on, at school. So that's one reason. Um, and then the second was that, you know, starting with kids was a great way to see if adults would be interested in the product. If we're marketing to kids, we're essentially marketing to their parents since kids don't have credit cards. So if the parents end up ultimately buying some of these larger frames for themselves, it's a great way and to validate our point that this would be a fantastic product for adults. For sure. And I, I saw that you have partnerships with Marvel and some other companies. Was that, was that from the start as well? Because, I mean, that would attract many kids, or was it just the colors at, at the beginning? 
Yeah, so at the beginning, it was mostly a classic collection that we had on site 24-7 of around 10 toppers. So that's what we started with um, for each of our base frames. So we have frame sizes that fit anyone from age five all the way up through adult. So we started with that and then it evolved. Um, so over time, we realized that people are absolutely obsessed with these top frames and wanted to come back and grow that collection, just like you would, you know, the number of t-shirts in your closet or your shoes. Um, they wanted a closet of these so that they could change them. So we started evolving the business model to drop limited edition models. So it started out dropping one limited edition model a month and quickly evolved to where we are today, where we actually drop three limited edition models a month. Um, and these are full collections that can be anything from holiday themed collections like our Valentine's Day collection that's on site now or trendy things like a tie dye collection or plaid. And from there, it evolved to also working with large brands, large global brands in a licensed partnership um, in order to bring people's favorite brands and characters to somewhere they'd never been before, which was glasses. Mm -hmm. So since we've launched um, first with the NBA to you know, bring all NBA teams to eyewear, we then launched with Marvel. Um, our third partnership to date is with Harry Potter. That's been absolutely wow. incredible. You know, allowing kids or adults to represent their Harry Potter houses on their glasses, which of course, you yeah. know, everyone has such a strong connection with. Um, and there's many more to come. Unfortunately, I can't uh, chat about them just yet. <laughs> sure. There is one coming up next month and there's many more planned for this year. Awesome. So from the POV of a customer, what does the process look like from ordering a frame to a top, etc. if they want to start completely from scratch with pair? We make it the process as simple and stress-free as possible. So a customer typically comes to our site. Um, you know, the majority of our customers, I'd say right now, are women between the ages of 35 to 60. Um, they're either shopping for themselves or themselves and their kids and potentially even their husbands. Um, they go to site, they look at our five frame shapes, they decide which one fits them best based on our age and size recommendations. You can then choose the color of that base frame. So we offer six different colors, so you can get it in a variety of clears or you can get it in, you know, tortoise, for instance. From there, the, the fun really begins. So the majority of people spend most of their time on site looking through, you know, our hundreds of different top frames that we offer. So there's top frames available for, you know, everyone's distinct personality. If you love cheetah print, there's a top for you. If you like tie-dye, there's a top for you. If you're just a color fanatic and want to match your glasses to your outfit every day, you can absolutely do that. Or if, you know, you love sports, you can get that Lakers top. Um, you then customize your prescription. So we can fulfill up to 98% of prescriptions and we offer a number of customizations to really make them, you know, fit your needs. So whether you need progressive lenses or blue light or you know, ultra thin, we do everything. And after that, it's super easy. You order, um, our customer service pretty much does everything. So if you don't have your prescription handy, we'll call your doctor and your glasses are at your door in around a week. Wow, that's awesome. So if you have an idea, what is your top selling frame to date? Top frame or base frame? Base frame. So recently, um, you know, the product has really started to go absolutely viral with adults. Um, mm. It's been pretty incredible, um, very organically as well. Um, we had a number of customers who have gone viral on TikTok in the past six months, um, which really led to this you know, movement being started with an adult where adults started saying, you know, 
this is the product I've always wanted. I can't believe they created it. Um, unfortunately, the limitation right now is that our two largest frames only fit around one tenth of adults who, you know, have smaller uh, face shapes. Mm. Um, you know, in the future, we hope to expand that. But to date, I'd say our best-selling frames are probably those larger frames that can fit, you know, teenagers or adults. But it's actually a very split. Um, it's split pretty evenly across all of our frame shapes. Since pear is so personalized, I think it appeals just as much to a five-year-old as it does a 12-year-old or an adult. Got it. So I saw on your website, there's a giving back portion. And for every pair purchased, a pair is granted to a child in need. I think that's really remarkable. And if you have any rough idea, how many pairs have been do donated to date? Unfortunately, I'm unable to share that number. Um, no but it no it's uh, something we're very proud of and it's very important to you know it's an important building block of what we created um yeah I'm, I'm a strong believer that you know any company i bring into the world or i hope most companies have some element of giving back to them because i think there doesn't need to be you know such a strong separation between you know non-for-profit and business as we typically kind of see here yeah um, so for me, it's really important in some elements to bring them together. And I think when we were, you know, doing a lot of research at the beginning around the eyewear space, while it was a huge issue in the United States, mainly because of price point, in other areas of the world, it's a huge issue because it just doesn't exist. There's millions of children that don't have access to, you know, any pair of eyeglasses at all. So it became very important for us that while we were helping families in the U.S. have a better experience, we were also helping solve um, the need of just providing kids who didn't have any access to vision care access to a pair of glasses. That's amazing. So today with Pair Eyewear, is it 100% e-commerce or do you guys have any uh, retail spots? We're 100% e-com. Okay. Um, we're definitely you know, interested in retail in the future, yeah. but for now it's really allowed us to own our brand, um, own the manufacturing process, and really ensure that our customers have the best experience possible by owning that customer service and making sure their glasses are delivered to them, you know, as quickly as possible. For sure. And then their Shark Tank experience. I'm looking at Shark Tank. Um, I've had a few guests that were also on the show and they noticed a spike in sales actually after the show physically aired. Did you guys notice the same type of trend after your Shark Tank episode aired? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very fun. I think if you talk to any Shark Tank entrepreneur, um, it's funny because you're watching yourself on the show, but you're also watching your Shopify account and the number <laughs> on your site. Sure. Um, so both are equally as interesting kind of in that moment. Um, and definitely Shark Tank, you know, does great things for companies. And I think the companies that I've seen are most successful are also the ones that are able to utilize that Shark Tank name and brand even post the airing. So, you know, Shark Tank just brings... Um, recognizability to brands you know anyone recognizes the logo they recognize the name so brands are really able to you know use that in their marketing to just create that first level of trust with their consumers that i think is really important absolutely and then from your pov on the shark tank episode what was the pitching process like for you and your co-founder to go in there the time length and everything inside the actual pitching process what was that like for you it was incredibly exciting um yeah. Unfortunately, I won't be able to share many details that aren't on air, yeah, but sure. the actual pitch, of course, is much longer than what you see on air. Um, frankly, you kind of black out a little bit because it's such a you know, stressful, exciting moment. I remember my co-founder and I kind of walked off set 
right after we got the deal and both of us kind of looked at each other and we were like, you're like, what just happened? <laughs> you're very much just like reacting based on instinct. Um, but it was super exciting. I don't think it could have gone any better than it did. Um, we definitely had some exciting back and forth. You know, we negotiated and the judges were, you know, super nice, incredibly supportive. Um, even the ones that, you know, say some things just to, to create drama in reality are actually very nice and very supportive. <laughs> That's awesome. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret, just anything. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the number one piece of advice I can find, I can say that I think um, is very easy for people to utilize. Cause I know a lot of people say just like, you know, go do it, but that can be harder than, um, you know, it seems I think yeah. is to really connect yourself and find mentors who have done it before and who are only one to two steps ahead of you. Um, for me, that has been the most useful thing in any part of building pair. Um, it's reaching out and finding some entrepreneurs who are trying to solve the issues you're facing with your business, um, but who have solved it, you know, maybe six months, one year prior, because um, they'll know exactly kind of what is necessary to get over that hump. Um, so for me, that's been, you know, reaching out to other consumer founders who are maybe one level of fundraising above me um, and, you know, just having touch bases, you know, I love having touch bases with founders on my calendar. There's a number of founders who I try to talk to every other month and we just update each other on how our businesses are going um, and share problems that we're currently facing. Awesome. Sophia, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Pear at PearEyewear.com. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.